and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs and let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city, and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one whom had the legion, sitting there clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home, tell your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Brothers and sisters, as we look at this account of God's word tonight, there are five things that I would like us to see. Firstly, I want you to see the power of the destroyer. The description that's given of this demon-possessed man is horrific. In verse 3 to 5, we're told he lived amongst the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had strength to subdue him. Night and day amongst the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. What a terrible condition this man was in. And it was ultimately due to the work of the devil. Such is the destructive power of Satan that he can take a human being made in the image of God and reduce him to this terrible condition. This man had lost everything, his home. He was cut off from his family and friends, from the warmth of human touch and love and affection. He lost all dignity as he finds himself running around these tombs completely naked acting like a wild man, screaming and cutting himself with stones. He'd lost all of his peace and his purpose for living. He was in the grip of the destroyer, and there was nothing he could do to set himself free. As if this wasn't bad enough, we read in verse 9, and Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. This man was not possessed by one demon, but many demons. And of course, the word legion is a military term. If you remember the night before Jesus goes to Calvary, um, 
Peter takes the, the sword out, doesn't he? And he cuts off the, the ear of the servant of the high priest whose name was Malchus. And Jesus says to Peter, put away your sword because those who live by the sword shall die by the sword. And Jesus goes on to say, do you not know that I can even pray now to my father and he would give me more than 12 legions of angels? According to Pastor James McConnell, that was 72,000 angels. Now, if you divide 72,000 by 12, then you come up with 6,000. So the word legion immediately conjures up for us a picture of a vast number of demons, relentless in their strength. And as we consider this man's state tonight, there are two dangers that I would like us to avoid. There's the danger of an unhealthy fixation with the demonic. Do you know there's many people out there that laugh at the thought of a personal devil and the supernatural. What the Bible calls demonic possession is reduced down to simply mental health issues today. They would say that this madman of Gadara, if he was living in our day, they would say, well, he probably had ADHD or he probably had schizophrenia or some would say he might have had anger issues. And as tragic as it is, there are prisons and hospitals all over our country tonight for folk who cannot control themselves, who are a danger to society. And of course, I have to be careful to emphasize that not all mental health issues are as a result of demonic activity. Would you say amen to that? You see, Jesus himself could differentiate between delivering a man with a deaf and dumb spirit, and then at another time he would just heal a man who couldn't hear nor could speak. We must be sensitive, hence the reason we need the gift of the discerning of spirits in the body of Christ. But what we cannot do, brother and sister, is simply reduce everything down to medical terms. In some instances, Satan is at work behind the scenes, for Satan's biggest lie is to make the unbeliever believe that he is irrelevant. And then there's the opposite danger. There's Christians who are fixated on the devil. (laughs) Every time somebody sneezes into a hanky, there's a demon being expelled. (laughs) They'll be at every seminar on the supernatural and the spiritual realm. There's a demon behind every plant pot. There's a demon behind every door. There's a demon upstairs. There's a demon downstairs. I remember a girl in the church that I was at in Ballyclare called Deborah Norton. We were were praying over the the little town one night in the car park. And she said to me, Stuart, you know what? She says, the devil's getting the blame for a lot of stuff that he's got nothing to do with. (laughs) And she's right. Brothers and sisters, we are not to be fixated on Satan and the demonic, but let us never underestimate the destructive power of the devil. The passage shows us clearly that Satan is not a solitary enemy, but has behind him a whole host of wicked forces. That's why Paul could say, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and with powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's why Paul says, for every single believer, we have to take onto ourselves the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand on an evil day. And having done all to stand, we're to stand therefore. Would you say amen? that. Amy Carmichael says this, Satan is not only alive and well today, but he's more in earnest than we are. Listen to this, he buys up the opportunity to do evil while Christians are wondering how much it will cost them to do good. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, I believe in our land, there's a dark prince 
But I believe, yes, through even this pulpit and what you're, the servant in this pulpit is bringing another faithful man, I believe that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Would you say amen to that? We need to be alert. Notice not only the power of the destroyer over this man, but notice the malice of the destroyer. When Jesus is about to command the demons to come out of the man, they make this strange request in verse 12. We're told and they begged him, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. They were terrified that Jesus would cast them into the abyss and they plead to send the man into the swine. Now, why did they make such a strange request? Surely there's only one answer tonight. It's because... The demonic and demons are ever bent on mischief and destruction. If they can't destroy human life, they will destroy whatever they can of God's creation. That's why Jesus said that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. That's why Jesus said the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's why Peter warns us that our adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is a cruel master. This man was in the grip of a malicious power. Now, as I go a step further, I want you to notice that not everyone outside of Christ is demon-possessed. And thank God that's the case because this world would be a living hell. But demon possession is surely on the increase as people turn away from the living God and aside to wickedness. But though not every person is demon-possessed, the Bible tells us that every person outside of Christ by nature is under sin and under the power of the evil one. We are slaves to sin and Satan. In Ephesians 2 and 2, Paul tells the Christian, of note he speaks in the past tense, he says, you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work and the children of disobedience. The Bible uses many different names to describe the devil. But in this passage, he's described as the prince of the power of the air. I'm not sure whether you're aware tonight, friend. But there's two supernatural kingdoms working side by side in this world. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. There's the kingdom of Satan and there's the kingdom of Christ. And we are either in one or the other tonight. And I want to say, if you're not under the saving power of Jesus Christ, then you under, are under the power of the devil, according to the Scriptures. And is this the, not the explanation for the state of our world tonight? We, we simply cannot explain what's going on in, in terms of political or social problems. It's because... The world is in the grip of Satan and sin. And outside of Christ, we are slaves to sin. This man, Legion, shows us a great picture of what I'm talking about. He was a slave to Satan. And there was nothing that he could do to break himself free. Such was the devil's destructive power. But thank God the narrative doesn't finish there. Because not only do we see the power of the destroyer, we see the greater power of the deliverer. Would you say amen to that? The book of Hebrews shows us why Jesus was manifest. We're told this, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, that's the Lord Jesus, himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who had the power over death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. 
Again, the scripture tells us how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I love this, who went about doing good and destroying all the works of the devil. Brothers and sisters, tonight, he's our deliverer. Would you say amen? Through his cross, he's translated us from the kingdom of darkness unto the kingdom of his own dear son. He has set us completely free tonight. This is what salvation is all about. It's not simply turning over a new leaf or or going to church or being good living for a living. No, it's a translation from one kingdom into another kingdom. We were once under the dominion of Satan, but now we are under the power of Jesus Christ. We become children, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And this is what happened to the madman of Gadara. Jesus comes on the scene. He binds the strong man. He plunders his goods, commands the demons to come out of him and note the power of Christ. Men may deny this power today. Men may deny his divinity, but I want to tell you something. The devils do not mistake him. They know exactly who he is and they obeyed his word. They entered the pigs. They ran headlong over the cliff and drowned in the depths of the sea. And verse 15, we read these wonderful words. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one that had the legion. And he's sitting clothed in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. What a demonstration of the power of the deliverer. No one, however compassionate, would have dared to touch this man. No one could help or change his situation. He'd been written off as a hopeless case, but Jesus spoke the word and he set the captive free. Friend, do you know someone tonight who the word would term a hopeless case? Perhaps there's even someone sitting amongst us or listening online tonight and and they've said of you, you're a hopeless case. I don't care how far into sin you've gone. Listen to me, friend. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's why the hymn writer says, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood avail for me. How can you be so confident that Jesus can set me free tonight? Because I believe that the gospel preached under the power of the Holy Spirit is the power of God under salvation. I've seen God deliver people time and time again. I've seen paramilitaries delivered. My own uncle, Billy Elliot, was a UFF godfather for many years in East Belfast. And you know something? He was in the grip of the evil one. And I remember my brother going over onto the Whitewell Road and speaking to Pastor James McConnell about him. And Pastor James McConnell invited my uncle to the Whitewell Church that was up the road. And my uncle walked in, and do you know something? He heard the gospel, and he was changed from a wolf to a lamb in seconds. The power of the deliverer. Your pastor who preaches the gospel with such power here. You know, but looking at that man, you would say, there's a man who had it together all his life, but his testimony is amazing. He came into the Whitewell Church the same way, drugs and alcohol and different problems. But you know something? He heard the gospel as he often talks about. And Pastor McConnell says, this might be your last opportunity. He would say, he lifted his hand, he received Christ. And look what God has done with him. The power of the deliverer tonight. I've seen alcoholics delivered from drug addiction. Or sorry, from alcoholism. I remember... Um, I'd had a mission a few years ago in the Glen Alban Football uh, Stadium 
And I remember on the Friday night preaching on the compassionate Christ and seven people responded to the gospel that night. Now I went down and into the wee boardroom and there sitting was a disheveled looking man, wee beard, and he just was broken. He was an alcoholic. And he said, I listened to your message tonight and I responded. Here's what he said. Would Jesus Christ receive somebody like me? And I says, not only will he receive you, but he can set you completely free. And you know something? I led that man to Christ, went about my business, and he was going to the Church of Ireland in in, um, Marilyn, is it you call it? And anyway, I went to speak at that church about two years later, come out of the prayer meeting, and this suited and booted, well, good-looking fella come up to me, and he said to me, you don't know me, sure you don't? And I says, no, I don't. And he says, I was that alcoholic in the boardroom that night. He says, look what the Lord has done for me. The power of the deliverer. I'll give you one more example. There's a friend of mine called Darren Moore. Me and him used to do the Golden Mile uh, in Belfast, you know, giving out tracks around the clubs and stuff. We used to do this. We circuit as we're walking around our circuit. We, we seen one of the businesses. There was an old homeless man called Eric. He was lying there, beard overgrown, just a mess. And, you know, us being spiritual, we give him a wee, a wee gospel track and uh, walked away. God bless you. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, that's not enough. Go and get the man. Pick him up. And we did. We took him back to Darren's house. We fed him that night. We let him join in with our worship that Saturday night. And you know something? We gave him a bed to sleep in. We took him the next morning down to Newry, got him into a homeless shelter. I'm standing worshiping God about a year later in the Whitewell Church. And this good-looking fella comes up to me, a suit on, and you know something? It was like James Bond. (laughs) And the girl he had on his arm was like money penny. He says, you don't know me, do you? He says, I don't know who you are, sir. He says, I am Eric. I was the homeless man that lay in that, uh, beside that business that night. He says, you give me a, a, a roof over my head, somewhere to stay. I went to that homeless shelter. I listened to what you said to me, accepted Jesus Christ, and now I'm engaged to be married. The power of the deliverer. You know, there's a wee saying today, the Lord helps those who help themselves. That's not true. The reality is the Lord helps those who cannot help themselves. And he loves to do it, for they cannot deliver themselves, and so he takes all the glory. This madman of Gadara was one such a hopeless case. No one but Jesus could deliver him, but deliver him he did. And he sits clothed in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. I want to tell you something, Jesus is a specialist in hopeless cases tonight. <laughs> he is the part to deliver you, friend. If you're listening online tonight, he is the part to deliver you. I'm coming to a close. But maybe there's someone here and uh, you're an animal lover. <laughs> Any animal lovers? Yes, there's a little girl. There's a few animal lovers. And you're saying, what about the poor pigs? <laughs> Do I have an argument with my mother-in-law about whether animals are going to heaven or not? <laughs> And I love to try and wind her up. You say, what about the poor pigs? Why did Jesus give the demons permission to go in to the pigs? Well, you know, Mark doesn't give us a reason, but I would like to suggest one. Surely it was for the benefit of this man. You see, the dramatic end of these pigs was a powerful testimony of the miracle that had literally taken place. It was positive proof that this man is now completely free. And I'm going to say it again. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. 
But as I close, not only do we see the the power of the destroyer and the greater power of the deliverer, we also see there's dissenters in this passage. You notice two responses to the miracle. First of all, there's a response of the Gadarenes. How did they respond? Did they rejoice that this man had been set free? Did they heal God's Messiah that come amongst them? Did revival break out in the region? Surely it did. Surely not. For we read something amazing in verse 17. And they began to beg Jesus to leave their region. What a response. Instead of welcoming and worshiping the Son of God, they hated him and rejected him. Why? Because their priorities were all wrong. They loved their money more than they loved their God. They were afraid of Jesus and began to beg him to go away. And isn't that the response of many people to the gospel today? They know who Jesus is. They know that he can deliver them, but they can't come to him. Do you know why? Because Jesus will interrupt their plans. Is that someone here tonight? Or someone listen to me online? You know that Jesus is the Son of God. You know that he can, has the power to deliver you, but you won't come to him because he will interrupt your plans. I was a man in poured it down one night when I was preaching the gospel, shaking hands with him, going out the door. He says, Stuart, that was a powerful message you brought. He says, and, and I know Jesus is the Son of God. I know that he could deliver me. But the reality is, I have too many dodgy dealings going on in the background, so I can't come to him. Is that someone here tonight? You know his power to save, to heal, and to deliver, but yet you continue to do what these Gadarenes did. Send him away saying, not today, Lord. That was Felix, wasn't it, in Acts chapter 24? Totally sent for Paul to hear concerning the faith in Jesus Christ. And as Paul reasoned with him of righteousness, temperance, and coming judgment, we're told that Felix trembled. But listen to what he said to Paul. Paul, go away for now. When I have a convenient season, I will send for you. In other words, Paul, I believe what you're saying is truth, but I can't have Jesus interrupting my plans. Friend, if you're not willing to let Jesus interrupt your plans, then you will always remain at a distance from him. You will send him away, but one day, if you continue to push him away, you might end up in a lost eternity. Thank God we not only see the negative response, we also see the response of the delivered man himself. Verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. What a contrast. Notice the townsfolk begged Jesus to go away, but the man who'd been delivered and personally tasted and seen that the Lord is good, he begs Jesus that he might be with him. He had met his liberator, and now he wants to cling to him for all that he has. But you know what? Jesus says no. Is that not incredible? He grants the request of the demons to go into the pigs. He grants the request of the Gadarenes to leave his region because he's getting back into the boat. But refuses the request of the man who's bowed at his feet and worshipped him. Why? There's only one reason why. Do you know what it is? It's because, brothers and sisters, tonight the gospel is never to be kept to ourselves. Would you say amen to that? Notice, fifthly, the difference a personal testimony can make. 
This man's now a trophy of God's grace and living witness to the power of the Messiah to change lives. He must now, at Christ's command, return home and tell his friends and his family and neighbors about the great things that Jesus has done for him. And that's what he did. He departed from Jesus and went to the Decapolis, which is the ten cities, proclaiming the great things that the Lord had done for him. And let me paint the picture for you. He's clothed for the first time in a right time. He's in his right mind. Can't you see him? Departing from Jesus, he walks into the city and perhaps he comes to the gate of a home that he used to live in. Perhaps this man had a mother. Perhaps this man had a father. Perhaps he had brothers and sisters. Perhaps he had a wife. Perhaps he had little children in there and they thought, we'll never see him delivered. But he opens the gate. He comes down the pathway and the door flings open and his loved ones meet him and say, wow, what happened to you? We never thought we'd see you in your right mind and clothed again. And he would say, I met Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He set me completely free. And then he would go from his family. Perhaps he had friends in former days. I don't know. But he would meet with them. And they would say, what happened to you? And he would say, I met Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He set me completely free. And then he goes from there. He goes up and down the streets of the ten cities. And he starts, people start to say, there's the madman of Gadara. But he's completely changed. What happened to you? He would say, I met Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He set me completely free. And you want to know something? His testimony made a massive difference. How do you know it made a massive difference, Stuart? Do you know how I know? Because you see in this passage here, the Gadarenes are sending Jesus out of their region, but if you read on in the Gospels, Jesus came back into the region of the Gadarenes and we're told that they received him gladly and revival broke out. What made the difference? Was this man's testimony. They couldn't believe the change in him. And you know, I remember saying to the Lord many years ago, Lord, I'm glad for the great things you've done for me. I'll go all over to give my testimony. I think in this church you've probably heard my testimony about 50 times. But I'll go anywhere for you. And I've been all throughout this country. I've been to Scotland, England, Wales, telling about the great things that the Lord has done for me. But you see, two years ago, the Lord said to me, Son, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go back to East Belfast where you grew up. And I want you to go there and tell your friends. And I want you to tell your neighbors about the great things that the Lord has done for you. And brothers and sisters, we're doing that. We birthed a church about two months ago. And I was saying to, to Glenn there, people are getting saved every week. And you know what? Four of my family members have come to Christ already. And my sister just the other day said to me, Stuart, before the weather gets cold, would you take me to the sea and baptize me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm finished. It's time to go home. And I don't mean it's time to go home. I mean it's time for you to go home. It's time for you, brothers and sisters, to go home and to tell your friends and your family about the great things that the Lord has done for you. Stuart, I'm not a speaker. I don't know what to say. Listen, just go and tell them about the difference that Jesus Christ has made in your life. I love what it says in the book of Acts. It says that not the elders... Not the deacons, but it says the ordinary believers went as far as Antioch and the hand of the Lord was working with them. Know what they were doing? Just gossiping the gospel in the marketplace and God was witnessing to the great things that he'd done in their lives.
There's two responses. Let me ask you as I close. What is your reaction and your response to the, to the liberating power of Jesus? Do you react like the Gadarenes tonight? You're happy with this world's goods and you don't want Jesus interrupting your plans. You're frightened by him. You know his power to heal and deliver, but you still plead with him, go away, Jesus. Or is your response like the delivered man? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Do you long to cling to Jesus tonight? Do you long that he would break into your life and by his mighty power set you free? Do you long that the power of chains, uh, power and chains of sin might be broken by him? If so, like legion, run to him, fall at his feet, worship him and say, Jesus, help me. And do you know what he'll do? He will help you tonight and he will save you. And you will go out of this place proclaiming, like legion, the great things that the Lord has done for you. May God bless every one of you tonight. And I pray that God would speak to each one of you. There's a lot for us who are Christians to take out of that sermon, but if you're not saved, I pray that you would come to Christ tonight. And he is the part to set you free. And even if you're listening online, right where you are, ask Jesus to come into your heart and he will do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But Father, we, we, we understand that at Calvary, Satan bruised the heel of the Son of God, but we thank, we thank you tonight that it says that you once and for all crushed his head. Oh Lord, thank you for the liberating power. Thank you that it came to me personally. Thank you that it came to each one of us who are Christians tonight. But Lord, I'm very aware that there might be someone listening online and they're in dire straits. They might be tormented in their mind. Father, they, they might be suicidal. They might be in the depths of despair and depression. Lord, they may be filled with fear and they don't know which way to turn. May they know that there's a God in heaven who loves them and who can save them. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, as we now separate and sing unto you, we pray that you would receive um, of our offering in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for your attention. I'll hand it back.